0: Good morning, Victory Life Church. Great to see you today. It really is good to see you. Is it good to see one another? Just give me a thumbs up. I know it is. You are a happy bunch and a good-looking bunch. And so welcome to church. Welcome to those of you joining us online. My name's Otto Ramos. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And it's my great privilege to greet you this morning. If this is one of your first times joining us, we're so happy that you have decided to do so. And if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church, uh, might I invite you um, to fill out one of those communication cards that can be found in the seat pocket in front of you. You just take that out and fill it out. And uh, if you have a free minute afterwards, come see me at the Welcome Center. We have a gift for you just for joining us in worship today. But we would consider it an honor to join you in your faith journey. For those of you joining us online, you can go to vlchurch.com, and there's a banner there that says, Are You New Here? Just click on that banner. And fill out the form that pops up, and uh, for you as well, we would consider it a great honor to join you in your faith walk uh, as well. Just a few reminders, as you as you may recall, we kicked off our vision for this year that is entitled Shine Your Light. And we gave out some key tags over these last few weeks, and these key tags have QR codes where you can take a picture of that QR code. It takes you to our website, and we give weekly updates on all things that are going on around this Shine Your Light ministry vision for this year. And today is going to be a really huge update. A really huge uh, vision for a ministry is going to be shared uh, during Pastor Matt's sermon. And so we're really excited about that. So if you haven't gotten one of those key tags, uh, I'd like to encourage you to pick one of those up on your way out today because it's a great way to stay updated on all things that God is doing through this Shine Your Light vision this year. I have one major announcement this morning, and it has to do with our life groups, and I want to make mention of it because I had a friend come up to me a couple of weeks ago, and he said, hey, tell me, what is a life group? What, what, what is that? So you might be sitting out there thinking to yourself the same thing. What is a life group? And I just thought, you know what, Ramos, you got to do a better job of communicating to the church. So a life group is just a small group where you come together with others like yourself, and you study God's Word, and you go deep with it. You ask questions. If you don't understand, you just raise your hand and ask for clarification. And, you know, you just grow in your understanding and faith together. When I became a Christian 30 years ago, uh, my friend who led me to Christ invited me into a life group. I didn't know what it was, but it changed my life. That's why we call them life groups, because it has such a huge impact on who you are as a person, and your faith walk with Jesus Christ. And so we encourage you to get get in a life group. You can join mine if you want. Mine happens on Wednesday nights. A lot of our life groups happen on Wednesday nights. Some of them happen on Sunday nights. Some of them happen on Thursday nights. But to learn more about them, you can go to our website at vlchurch.com and click on the banner that you see on the screen that says Life Group Sign Up. Click on that thing, and you'll see a listing of life groups, and then you can... Actually, click on individual life groups to learn more about the descriptions of those life groups, when they happen, and also um, how you can join. So we'd love to have so many of you, if not all of you, involved in a life group, and uh, it'd be absolutely wonderful for you to kind of join one of those so that you can continue to grow in your faith. Well, that's all I have in the way of reminders and announcements this morning. Uh, But if you have come this morning to worship the Lord with your tithes and offerings, by now you likely know what to do and how to do it. You can give online, or you can give via text, or you can give as you exit the sanctuary this morning. But indeed, thank you for worshiping the Lord with your tithes and offerings. Well, let's uh, stand together and prepare our hearts for worship, and as we do so, might we bow for a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Father God, I'm reminded of what the psalmist said when he said, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart, and I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. That is what we have come to do this morning, and it is in the name of Jesus that we've come to do it. And all of God's people said, Amen.
1: Was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my doom till I met you. I was breathing, but not. Hey. Every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me songs. song. The song of the redeemed. The song of the free. Because of you redeeming us. We praise you and thank you.
2: never dies there's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide
1: Me oh.
3: In light of all this this morning, Lord Jesus, we present our bodies as living sacrifices to you. We offer you our hands, our feet, and our voices in worship today. For Lord, it was our sin that held you on that cross. It was our wrongdoing that sent you in pursuit of us. Not, not just the sins of the world, our sin. We stand in awe of the one who in perfect sinlessness died for the souls of men and women. We stand in awe of the one who, although we wander from him, his desire is to seal our hearts for his courts above. So, Lord, I pray that you would take this humble group of wanderers this morning who are reminded at 9 o'clock, 9.30 on a Sunday morning just how much we owe you. And, I, Lord, I pray that your grace would meet our wandering, that your love demonstrated for us on the cross would be keenly felt, And that, Lord, our days of wandering would be over in light of who you are and what you have done. Seal our hearts, Lord, for your courts above in this place. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. All right, young disciples, you may be dismissed at this time to head on down the hall. You will be hearing about what the older disciples will be hearing about this morning. If you got your Bibles, if you brought them with you, you got them on your phone or got a print copy, turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. We've been studying through Matthew chapter 8, but you might have noticed that I am not in my usual attire this morning. Thank you We don't even have to plan that here. It just happens spontaneously. Don't usually preach in a long sleeve tee, but I've been teasing the idea that today was a big day. Have you caught those little teasers in the service that that on September 18th, we were going to lay out a piece of this Shine Your Light vision that is the most massive and big of all pieces and parts of this Shine Your Light vision that we have as a church? This has been what I'm going to share with you today something that has been in the works since February, really. Of this year. There's a team of people behind what I get to share with you today and I'm really excited to get to tell you about it and then uh, unpack the scriptures after we have done so from Matthew 8 as we've been looking at all those places in the book of Matthew where Jesus paints a picture for us of how to shine our light into the world. You know, I met with a gentleman this week for breakfast. He took our workshop years ago That is our tell the story element of our mission and vision, okay? So we have join the story, live the story, tell the story. And so we have things like growth track and and baptism and things like that for our join. And we have life groups and service to the church for live. And then we have the workshop for tell. It's where people get inspired and get ready to go out and evangelize. And evangelism means to go out and talk about Jesus, talk about the gospel. And so this gentleman went through it two, three years ago. And he decided that he was going to go to his workplace and start a Bible study for Christians and non-Christians alike called Christianity Explored, walking through the book of Mark, opening the door for his non-churched, non-Christian co-workers to hear about Jesus. So he did this, and there was a handful of people in that first group, and then he kept doing it, and there was a handful more in the next group. And he reported back to me just this week that that group has grown to 23 souls over the course of two years. A- and, and they are going to have to break the small group into two different groups. They're a mini church right there at his workplace. So that's what I'm going to ask all of you to do. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, but that's a great story, isn't it? That, that's cool that stuff like that still happens in the 21st century. Isn't it amazing? Well, I'm going to present something to you that, that is far more turnkey than that this morning, far less scary, Some of you are called to go lead those workplace and neighborhood Bible studies. In fact, five of you have already heeded that call. We said 10 of those this year. Five of you have already said, I'm going to do a workplace or a neighborhood Bible study that tries to win lost people to Jesus. Isn't that cool? Five out of 10 already. But this is one that I'm going to talk to you about today that I'm hoping every single one of you will participate in because every single one of you can participate in it. It doesn't matter what your gifting is. It doesn't matter what your background is. Doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for three days or 35 years, you can participate in this great evangelistic effort that we're about to take on as a church, and it's called Pray and Go. And I'd like to take a few minutes before we get into the scriptures today to talk to you about how Pray and Go works and what it's all about. What if I told you that you could partner with your church to bless the community, open the door for the unchurched to be churched, and to help lost people find Jesus, would you do it? Would you do it? get to partner with us to bless the community. You get to help people who don't find a ch- have a church find a church. And perhaps see people come to know Jesus, would you do it? And you'd say, from a, from a standpoint of your mind, well, of course I'd do that. I'd do that, Pastor Matt. But there's a lot of factors that go in to saying yes to whatever you're about to unpack. Yeah, there are a lot of factors. Does not fit my gifting? Well, I've just mentioned to you, anybody can do this. It doesn't need a specific gifting. So maybe some of you are thinking, well, what about time? Tell me about the time commitment, Pastor Matt. If that, all of us can do this, because I'm the busiest person here, don't you know? Aren't we all? Don't we, don't we have our fights as Christians? Who's the busiest? That's our biggest fight in churches today. I'm busier than you are, right? That's what we like to tell each other. What if I took, told you that you can participate with us in this great effort, and it would only take you one to one and a half hours every month or every quarter? That's it. That's the only time commitment we're looking for from you. One to one and a half hours every month or every quarter, and you can choose. You can go monthly or you can go quarterly. That'd be like four hours a year. That's, that's the amount of time you spend picking your nose in the car, four hours a year is all that, you, that, that we're asking for. This is why I said everybody can do this, right? What if I told you that you never have to go to a training meeting, would, you, would that make it more interesting? You don't have to be trained. You don't need to take eight weeks, two hours, and te- you don't have to do it, there's no, there's no training. There's no training. If you walk out today and you're still confused, I'll put a little video out this week to remind you what I said, but that's it. There's no training. There's no training. Here's the best part. What if I told you you could do those hour, hour and a half segments on your own schedule? You don't got to meet us here. You don't have to come here. You don't have to meet up with anybody here. You don't have to come onto the church property. You can do it at any time that you want to. Would you be more interested? Okay, here's the kicker, right? See, 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 I'm eliminating objections before I even lay it out. You ready for this? What if I told you you did not have to preach? Thrilling, right? Thrilling, thrilling. But what if I told you you'd be going in the power of the Holy Spirit? You don't got to preach, but you can go in the power of the Holy Spirit. For those of you who are driven by your friends in church, what if I told you you could choose the people you did this with? You could choose, you can go out and sign up for it today and say, I would like to go with so-and-so. We'd want you to pick who you go with. And finally, for those of you who are attempting to raise children as disciples of Jesus Christ, what if I told you you can do this as a family? From the youngest to the oldest, everybody can go. So you can do this as a group with your family and teach them how to go for Christ. Because all those things are true with what I'm about to unpack. And the program that I want to talk to you about today, the ministry opportunity, is called Pray and Go that's why they put me in the special shirt. I had no choice in the matter. They said, here, wear this, right? Pray and go. Pray and go is an opportunity for we as Victory Life, as a church family, to pray for and engage every home surrounding our church. Every home that's out there, not not within a specific radius, but within the neighborhoods that surround our church, an opportunity to pray for and engage every home surrounding our church it's an opportunity to serve our community not in the power of your best preaching but in the power of prayer to allow the holy spirit to do a work in the lives of people that otherwise they may not have an opportunity for and what if i told you that it could create an opportunity to point somebody to jesus that's what pray and go is all about And as I mentioned, you could do it from oldest to youngest, youngest to oldest. Everybody can participate, because this is how it works. I'll just lay it out for you, and hopefully it will explain the program very clearly and succinctly to you. If it's not clear and succinct, when we've left this morning, we have all types of Pray and Go volunteers that will meet you in the lobby today, but I want to tell you about how it works. It's very, very simple. If you were to walk out in that lobby today and sign up to be part of Pray and Go, in a few weeks' time, you would get a text message. And that text message would say, it's your week to pray and go, right? Real simple. You get a text message. Please pick up your packet in the church lobby after whatever service you attend on Sunday. So you come here to church on Sunday. You go to the lobby, to the pray and go table, and you pick up a packet. In that packet is a list of addresses, a map, a do's and don't sheet, just in case you forget what you're doing and what you don't need to be doing. Do's and don't sheet, all right? and 20 to 25 door hangers for the addresses that we would give you. You would then go at whatever time occurred to you, hopefully not three in the morning, but whatever time it occurred to you to go that week with a partner, with a friend, with a family member, and you would go to the place on that map in Stowe, Cuyahoga Falls, Hudson, wherever we we would send you, and you would go to that neighborhood and get get out of your car, get out of your car, park in an approved parking spot, get out of your car, and you would walk along the sidewalk, and stop in front of home one. And you'd pray for the people in that home. You and your partner, you and your family. Not a deep intercessory prayer, not a 25-minute prayer meeting prayer, a simple prayer like, Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to be out here today. I thank you for the people in that home right there. Lord, I pray if they do not know Jesus Christ as Lord, that you would arrange the circumstances of their life that they would come to know you. Lord, I pray for whatever's going on in that house right now, whether there's sickness or whether there's financial need. Whatever they need a blessing from you, Lord, I pray that they would reach out to you and they would find you. And Lord, I pray that if they don't have a home church, a place that that they can learn about Jesus, that they might attend Victory Life one day. Amen. And then the youngest person in the group who has the strongest legs would walk up to the door, not knock, Not, not, not proselytize. Would leave a door hanger that said, "We prayed for you," signed by Jim and Sue, Dave and Charlotte, whoever was praying. Go. We prayed for you. We're from Victory Life Church, and if you have any other prayer needs, would you let us know? Just email us at wepray@vlchurch.com, and you go to the next house. That's simple. Now, our guinea pigs went out. They've prayed in goat already. They've done goad. And they found with, with that, that with just normal walking and normal praying, you can do about 25 houses in an hour. They encountered people that wanted to know what they were doing. Nobody pulled a gun on them. Only one person said, no, I don't prefer that door hanger, thank you. But there are now people that know that there's a church that cares enough about them to send people into their neighborhood and pray for them, and if they ever had need, we would pray for them at wepray at vlchurch.com. Email's already been set up. All they would have to do is email us, and our prayer teams are ready to take in all of the prayer requests that come in over the course of the next year. If they need different types of help, we are set up to meet that need as best we can as a church, and we are going to see people who walk into these doors and say, wow, I was looking for a church, and here you guys came and prayed for me, that's cool. We're gonna have people who email us and say, I had just been talking to God, and I said, God, I'm at the end of my rope, and I just don't even know if you can hear me. And they're gonna say, and then I saw your door hanger. There might even be somebody that stops you on the sidewalk and says, what are you doing? And you say, we're just praying for homes in our community. And which home is yours? We wanna pray over yours. Would you like us to pray for you right now? No preaching necessary just going in the power of prayer and asking the Holy Spirit to move in people's hearts. You say, well, well, where's the preaching? That's what the workshop is for. If you want to learn to talk about your faith and talk about the gospel and win people to Jesus, we run a workshop all the time here at Victory Life. We never stop. There's always another workshop on the horizon. There's one starting next week. You can sign up today at the Welcome Center. If you want to preach, I know so many of you want to preach. I know you're excited about preaching. You love preaching. You love getting into argumentative, apologetic conversations. You love that. But for the other 99th percentile of us, we're not really interested necessarily in in shocking somebody into the faith one day, right? Now, where is the preaching? That might, might be what some of you might be asking, and I understand that. When do you get to share the gospel? Well, you get to share the gospel with the people who are already moving towards Christ in some way. The ones who we get to make meaningful contact with because we've prayed and because we went. And there's going to be people who we make meaningful contact with that we will get to share the gospel with. But I want to ask you a question. When somebody knocks on your door uninvited, are you excited about that? No. That's the time to draw the shades and pretend you're not home. The world's changed in the last 50 years. If you think that an unsolicited knock on the door is an opportunity, you're weird. You're not like the rest of us. You're happier than the rest of us are. We're not going to knock on doors and scare people. Are you always excited when the JWs and the Mormons come to your neighborhood? You're not excited about that. In the same way, I'm not asking you to knock on doors and preach the gospel and hand somebody a tract. All I'm asking you to do is say, we're here and we'll pray Because God is real and He can intervene in your situation. Do you know that depending on what the research says, it could be Pew Research or Barna or your favorite research people, over 80% of Americans have prayed in the last month. Not that many have attended church, but over 80% of Americans have prayed in the last month. Prayer is not intimidating, prayer is not aggressive. But prayer opens people up to the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we want to do pray and go. All of us can pray. And the great part is, you're like, well, I'm not a good prayer. You get to go with whoever you want to. So you don't have to be with Intercessor A or Intercessor B or Perfect Prayer Patty. You don't have to be with that person. You can pray whatever springs out of your heart in front of that home. And if somebody goes, what are you doing? And you say, well, I'm praying for people in the neighborhood. Can we pray for you? they're not expecting you to be eloquent. They're expecting you to be authentic. It's a powerful program. It's a powerful program. The great part about this, too, is it gets our feet moving, and it gets our feet moving outside these doors. Some of us just need that. We need our feet moving for the gospel outside of these doors. And I don't expect pray and go to be the end of your journey towards evangelism. I expect it for many of us to just be a reignition or a beginning a reignition or beginning to our evangelistic journey. Just getting out there again for Jesus and letting people know that we're here and we care about them. You know the biggest obstacle to people coming to Victory Life? Do you want to know what it is? It's not the utter darkness of the world. It, it, it's not their, their, their depraved state. It's, where's that at? Who are they? You ever had that conversation? Where do you go to church? I go to Victory Life Church. Where's that at? Well, you know... It's between the Walmart and the Steel's Corners. What? It is? I drive that road all the time. Well, now you know that there's people there. And we'd love for you to be one of the people that's there. You know, there's a lot of church they're known for their famous pastor. There's a lot of churches they're known for causing traffic jams. There's a lot of churches and they are known for great sports programs. And there's a lot of churches, and, and they're known for great music. What if in the next year we could become known as the church who prays for people? Wouldn't that be cool? Not to say any of that's wrong. If you're a famous preacher, you're probably a good preacher. And you've got great music, you've got great music, you've got a great sports program. That's wonderful. I'm not putting any of that down. I'm just saying, what if we were known? The 400 or so souls who call this church home is the church that prays for people. So these are our goals. I mentioned there's probably 400 of us, men, women, and children, who call VLC church home. We would love to have 100 people sign up in the next two weeks to be part of Pray and Go. And I think we can get more than that. I really do. We already have a team of seven people who have been working feverishly to bring this to you. Some of them will be in the lobby this morning to sign you up. But Gina and I have already discussed it. The Rexdale skiffsteads are going, so that's another seven people. 14 out of 100, we only got 86% to go, and we haven't even begun yet. I think a hundred's easy. You say, I don't know that I have the mobility to do this. Here's the goal. Drive to the houses, pray in your car, then get your grandkid to go, and they can run it up to the house. Simple. Everybody can be part of this, can't they? Everybody can be part of this. We want to have a hundred team members, and then the next year we want to pray 10,000 prayers over homes in our community. And we think we can do this. This is casting a wide net. Think about that if we had 1% of respondents, how many people we touch in the next year together. You can do the math. Move the decimal places in your head, right? 1%. If 1% of people were touched by what we were doing, could you imagine the impact we'd have in one year if we prayed 10,000 prayers? I believe one of our goals is going to reestablish VLC as a light in our community. People are going to know, oh, that's the church that prayed for me next time that they drive by. And I don't know if their heart is hardened or their heart is open. That's between them and God. But if their heart is opened, they might just turn in. We are going to see people come to know Jesus. Because there's going to be somebody, when you go, who's going to email us and say, I was at the end of my rope. I cannot believe that you guys are praying for me. This is what I have going on in my family, in my health, in my life. Can you pray for me? And we'll say yes and we'll keep the relationship going until such time as they come to know Jesus. And we're gonna meet some needs rather than guess at them. You know, the one problem with doing evangelism on a large scale when we get a big thing together is we just never know if we're gonna meet the need, like the felt need is there, but we're gonna find out from real people what's going on in their lives and how we as a church can be a blessing to the community. It's a wide net, folks, that we're casting but it's gonna be powerful, and I want you to join us. I want you to be part of the team. I want you to walk out these doors today, and I want you to get in line and sign up for this, and in a few weeks get a text message and go, hey, it's my week, I get to go out. I don't know what God's gonna do, it might be boring, it might be full of fireworks, I don't know, but I'm gonna go, I'm gonna exercise my faith, and I'm gonna go in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're gonna go, what did Pastor Matt say we're gonna do again? And that's why I'll have a little video and a do's and don't sheet. It'll be easy. No training needed. Because you can go, and you can pray. And God's going to do incredible things through us. Men, women, and children, take this opportunity and join with us. It's going to be absolutely powerful. After all, someone is about to know Jesus at a location near you. Someone's getting ready. The Holy Spirit's been at work in somebody's life. And we just might be the person who gets them one step closer to knowing Jesus because we went and we prayed. I met a gal a couple of years ago. We're about to get into Matthew chapter 8. I'll remind you to sign up after service. Met a gal a few years ago that was at the end of her rope. She'd been kicked out of her home. She'd found out that her family that she had always thought was tight-knit and together was not as tight-knit as together as she thought they were. She wasn't a person who had been raised in church. In fact, she really didn't know Jesus from anyone. But she cried out to God at a friend's house late one night and said, God, if you're real, I'm going to need a sign from you because I'm at the end of my rope. And the next day, when working the drive-thru window of a local restaurant, a man drove through the drive-thru and looked at her with an odd look in his eye and said, what's your name? And she told the man, and he said I want you to know that God loves you and can I pray for you is there anything I can pray about and right there through the drive-through window she reached out and grabbed hands with that man and he prayed into her circumstance the very night after she told God she needed a sign I know where that man goes to church and I know what he was doing and I met her and she came to know Jesus Because somewhere, someone is at a location ready to meet him. But the people of God need to step out in faith and enter places where people are and see what the Holy Spirit can do. One such story is found in Matthew chapter 8 when the Son of God steps into a place called Capernaum and an unlikely person has an unlikely encounter with Jesus and unlikely salvation results. Let's read about it. Verse 5 of Matthew chapter 8 and following. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him. Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. But only say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Turning back to the centurion, he said, Go! Let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Now, as I mentioned, this is an unlikely encounter. It's an unlikely request. It's an unlikely demonstration of faith from a man that you would not expect. It's an unlikely speaking sp- speech about salvation. And maybe the only thing that's expected in this story, if you're a Bible reader, is that Jesus does a miracle. Like when the miracle is the normal thing, we know something big has taken place. And that's what this story is all about. Something big is taking place because a request for healing is made, and it gets Jesus talking about heaven. Let's see how we get there. Now, for those of you who've been raised in church who know your Bible, you know that Jesus is the Savior of the world. In fact, that was always God's plan to send a Savior into the world. Genesis 3, Genesis 12, the latter parts of Isaiah. Let us know that the Jewish Messiah will be a worldwide Savior. But Jesus' earthly ministry was to the Jewish people. Those three years that he spent were to Jews, folks who had descended from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, folks who had read the Old Testament backwards and forwards, folks that were expecting a Messiah expecting a savior. I don't know that there was much messianic expectation in the Roman legions. I don't know that they were looking for a savior, necessarily. And that's why it's so unlikely that a centurion walks up that day. This is a Roman soldier. And not just a Roman soldier, but a Roman soldier who commands about a 100 men who are occupying Israel. That's who this man is. A Gentile a Roman soldier, a conqueror, an occupier. And he comes to Jesus pretty soon after the Sermon on the Mount and says, I need you. It seems unlikely that a non-Jewish person would come to a Jewish leader for help. And this centurion, though we may find in other parts of Scripture, while he may have been a decent guy, he is a representative of Rome. He is an occupier. And usually occupiers... And Natives don't get a well all that well. don't get along all that well. By the world's standards, he would have been Jesus's superior, by the world's standards. Yet this man calls Jesus Lord." By the world's reckoning, he should not have been able to recognize Jesus as anyone special. By the world's standards at that time, Jews and Gentiles don't mix. And yet here we are. Jesus enters Capernaum. He approaches him, and he asks him for something spiritual. He asks him for a healing. This isn't material, it's spiritual. He's got a servant at home, someone that he cares about deeply, who is suffering terribly, and he is in need of spiritual support. He's at the end of his rope. He needs God to intervene. And Jesus enters Capernaum, just the right person, At just the right time. And he humbles himself, even though he is in theory the superior, and asks the Son of God for a favor. Jesus, I need you. Would you help me? That's the setting. Jesus points out this scandal, by the way. The problem is we just can't see it in the English. Look down in your Bible at verse 7 where he says, I will come and heal him. That's no big deal to us doesn't change our opinions of anybody in the story one way or the other. But the fact of the matter is, the Bible was written in Greek. And in Greek, Jesus says this in the emphatic. Okay, now that might not mean anything to you. But we have this weird thing going on in English where we don't conjugate our verbs. For those of you who are English majors, you know exactly what I said. For those of you who are not, you have no idea where I'm going with this. In other languages, they conjugate the verbs. So if I say I ran, I say that in the first person. If I say you ran, I say it in the second person, but I don't supply the you. I don't supply the we, I don't supply the I, I don't supply the they. I just say ran with the right ending to the word. That's conjugating a verb. All right? Jesus conjugates the verb I will come. I will come, all right? But without saying I would be the normal way to do it. Here he says I. He says, ego, I myself will come. It's emphatic. He's pointing out the scandal. Now he's either doing this one of two ways, and scholars are split. Either Jesus is saying, I myself will come and heal him. Don't you disciples disagree with me being a Jew entering his house? That's either one way that Jesus, that could be the way Jesus is saying this. Don't you disagree with me, I'm going to the centurion's house today. It could be that. Or it could be a question, and you want me to come and heal him? Me? Either way, Jesus is pointing out the scandal. Jews and Gentiles don't mix. Jewish messiahs don't go into the house of Roman centurions. It ought not happen. And he points out the scandal. But what the man says is powerful. Lord, I am not worthy. For you to come under my roof? That doesn't make any sense. This is a leader. This is a person of power, more earthly power than Jesus certainly had. I'm not worthy? What does that mean? It means that he is recognizing Jesus as his moral and spiritual superior. I am not worthy to have someone of your character come under my roof because of my character. I am morally and spiritually deficient to have someone like you come under my roof. That's powerfully humble, isn't it? I'm not worthy. I'm not, I'm not worthy. Now, now I know that when we have people come under our roofs, we're like, oh, get the dog outside and vacuum really quick. And oh, who spilt that? Right? We get we get we get nervous about having people that we esteem come into our house. This centurion won't even let Jesus come to his house, not because it's a mess. He's got servants. He's a leader. He's got soldiers that he can tell to clean it up. He, he can't have Jesus come under his roof because he knows he's not worthy of Jesus. Jesus points out the scandal, and the scandal is Jew and Gentile. Am I really coming to your house? The centurion points out the bigger scandal. I'm not worthy to have anything to do with you. I'm not worthy. And it's in this moment... And allow me to paraphrase, the centurion says one of the most powerful things in this book to date, and I'm going to paraphrase, I recognize authority when I see it, and you have it. Jesus, just say the word, and my servant will be healed. None of this should be happening. Now, I know sometimes you can sit here and Pastor Matt gets into the Greek and he gets into the historical context and you're like, he's making a bigger deal out of this than it ought to be. He's making a bigger deal. Look at the next verse. Jesus marveled. Two times in the Gospels does Jesus marvel. This is one of them. I'm not making the big deal. Jesus is going, wow, wow. I can't believe what I'm hearing. I have I have heard nobody in Israel had this type of faith. Whoa! This scandalous moment, this Gentile Roman soldier is coming to me who still doesn't even have a right to come to me, and he's got more faith than my own people. Whoa! And then instead of going, Go and your servant will be healed, Jesus begins to preach to his disciples. You see, he turns to his followers. Okay, so he gives the centurion, hold on a minute, teaching moment. Guys, guys, come here. Many will come from the east and the west and sit at the heavenly banquet table with your, with your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Many people are going to come into heaven that you don't even know about. And there will be some of us who think we're right with God who would mark Christian on the survey. They're not going to be there. But this man has demonstrated what's gonna amount to saving faith right here. You should take note. Then he turns back and goes, Oh, oh, yeah, of course he's healed. That's, That's the expected part of the story, right? Jesus can heal the guy. Right? He's healed. Got it. Now, to the Jewish reader, that would have been astounding too. Let me just be fair. That would have been astounding too. He can speak his word with authority the way God his Father had spoke things into existence. That's a powerful moment. I don't want us to miss it, but what Jesus is marveling at is not his own power. Jesus is marveling at the fact that this man is a demonstration of what God can do in people that you would not expect. That's what's going on here. And that's why he turns to his disciples and goes, wow, guys, wow. Unexpected people will come to me and that's what I want us to get from this today. People will come to faith in Christ unexpectedly. They will. They'll come to faith in him unexpectedly. How much work did Jesus do to bring this man to faith in this story? He just walked into Capernaum. Something had been going on in this man's life previous that he would be interested in Jesus, that he'd think that Jesus could heal his ser- servant, that, that he would, he would risk The embarrassment and the social ostracization of going to a Jewish rabbi, he would risk all of that. Something was going on in this man's life prior to meeting Jesus that day that he would operate and he would realize his spiritual and moral deficiency. He'd be ready to ask a favor of the divine. He'd be ready to seek out God. He'd be ready to be this humble. Something was already going on. Jesus just walked into Capernaum. That's all that took place here. None of this should be happening. People are getting ready to know Jesus at a location near all of us all the time. God's working in their life to bring about these circumstances. Jesus said, this man is representative of salvation. And you might say, well, did did he know about substitutionary atonement? No, I don't think he knew about substitutionary atonement. But this man humbly came to God at his time of need. Told the Lord Jesus that he needed him. Recognized his moral and spiritual deficiency. And said, I put my faith in you. Sounds like a pretty good plan of salvation. Sounds like a pretty good plan of salvation. See, God's at work in people's lives before they even meet Jesus. Jesus said, my father is always at work. Jesus walked into Capernaum that day and had something... That's so important for us to see a divine encounter where all he had to do was hit the softball. Just got lobbed to him. Just don't miss. And I'm not saying that every time we go out with pray and go or start a new Bible study or share our faith with somebody, that it's going to be easy. We've made sure the last two weeks to say that it won't be. But we will go into our neighborhoods in the same spirit as Jesus entered Capernaum, because that's the spirit he gave us. The Holy Spirit of God goes with us everywhere we go. And we're going to have opportunity to point people to Jesus and move them one step closer to him. That's why we do something like pray and go, to be out there and available the way Jesus was that day, recognizing that God is always at work, and unexpected people come to faith in unexpected ways, but at a time in people's lives when they are at the end of their rope and they need the divine to intervene, God's people need to be available. Jesus was ready and available for the centurion that day. And this story is a story of salvation. Jesus walked into Capernaum in the power of the Spirit. And when we walk out of this place, we have that same Spirit. He died to give it to us, literally, to go in the power of the Spirit. Point people to Jesus and say, He is that worldwide Savior. He is the one that the scripture spoke about. He does have power to intervene in your circumstance. And it's no surprise that I'm here right here, right now. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father God, you are always at work. The Bible is silent on what took place in that centurion's life before he met Jesus. We don't know. We don't know what he was doing. We don't know what led him to this moment. But Lord, he was in need of you. And there you were. And Lord, if one thing has proven to be true for the last 2,000 years, it's that when people are in need of you, there you are. Lord, we are the light of the world as you are the light of the world. We have been called to fish for men as you did. Lord, I pray that you would prepare us, make us ready, make us ready for the divine encounters that you have for us to meet people in their need. We might not have to explain it all, that'd be great. But Lord, help us to respond to your spirit. Help us to respond to your spirit. Send us in that same power. Send us in that same power. Lord, we pray that you would move among us first and in ever-widening circles into this community. We pray that people would find you, Lord Jesus, in their hour of need. Because we prayed. Because we went. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I stopped short today of directly after the message having a raise of hands for everybody who will sign up for pray and go. I uh, felt like that might be slightly manipulative because the Word of God can hit us so hard right in the chest sometimes that, uh, you know, long story short, I stop short. But today I would invite you to consider if it's something you can partner with your church about. The good news is there's coffee and donuts if the line gets long. And you might just meet a friend in the lobby. But I hope you'll go with us. Not every day is going to be a Capernaum. It might just be a 4th Street. And that's okay. God's going to use us if we'll pray and if we'll go. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good time that we've had in church this morning. We thank you, Lord, that communing with you is the best. Lord, we pray that you would put us in position to help others commune with you. Because your best for their life is Jesus. Send us now with your blessing. Amen.